It's time for the Sunday Funnies on Thursdays, the podcast now on Fridays with your host, local funny man and funny reader, Cornell funny comics dude, Reed. We're recording live from beautiful Vernon, California, and we could not be more excited to bring you this episode today. We are here hanging out in a kind of an open train yard type of thing, um, sitting on top of some boxes and trash and just kind of different things we found that we were able to rummage together and shape into some sort of a crude podcast studio. Um, <clears throat> it's 2 a.m. on a starless night, which is good. Um, we're kind of hidden in the dead of night. Um, you know, there's just a few possums scrounging around us. Other than that, we're alone here, which is nice. Um, great space to podcast in. <clears throat> uh, I want to start out the podcast uh, first off with an apology. I know we have been gone for some time and have left you, the loyal fans, without any recent recaps of the funny pages. And you've probably been sitting at home with no clue as to what has been transpiring in the strips, such as you know Dilbert and Get Fuzzy and so on. So uh, I just want to apologize on behalf of Brian Jr. and myself for the dozens of strips that we have missed. Uh, I'm sure post-protest, these strips uh, have gotten a lot funnier, and I've missed them as much, if not more, than you, the fans. So um, please know this is something that we do not take lightly, and we look forward to continue being the most trusted Funny Pages recap podcast on the internet. And so we want to thank you, the listeners, for sticking with us. <clears throat> Let's see, what has been up since the last time you guys have uh, heard from us? Well, um... A lot, actually. Uh, last you heard, uh, we were planning the protest, getting ready to throw it, and um, the protest did, in fact, happen. It was a huge success. Um, uh, yeah, it was a huge, huge success. Uh, it was actually, um, if I'm not mistaken, the largest Funny Pages protest in U.S. history. So, um you know, I'm sure you all heard about it on the news or on the internet. Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm assume the story's gone viral worldwide many times over by now. I don't know for sure um, because um, we haven't been really keeping up on the news or the funny pages at all. We've been in prison. Yeah, so I guess I'll tell you the story behind that. Um, the march started out great. Uh, it was a huge success. We marched all the way from Pershing Square down to the L.A. Times building. Some of the signs, you know, we had, we had tons and tons of signs, and they, they were beloved by all who read them. Um, I guess some were a little misconstrued as well. We had signs that said stuff like, get Ziggy with it, you know, or show me the funny. Um, we had a beautiful drawing of a Calvin peeing on Dilbert, which looked fantastic. And, you know, the funny pages make me want to marma puke. You know, just things like that. And uh, I, there was one specifically. I don't remember exactly what it said since so much has happened since then. But it was something about Heathcliff. And um, some guy really, really loved that one. You know, and it was really nice to see someone else that was, like, so passionate about the cause as we were. Um, you know, it turns out he thought the sign was said health care. But uh, still... Um, still nice to see some passion out of the people. Um, one guy called me a dummy. Um, he told me to get a job. Um, and, you know, little did he know that back then I did have a job uh, working at a parking lot, waving people in with Brian Jr. with the flags on Hollywood Boulevard. So 
uh, laughs on him, I guess. <laughs> anyway, by the end of the protest, <coughs> um, there was a huge success, and, and the streets at the end of the day were just like littered with signs and half-eaten bologna sandwiches. Um, and uh, the, the good news, is, which if you were at the protest, you already know this, um, was I was actually able to procure uh, two three-liter bottles of soda. Um, so we actually had an extra two liters than expected, which um, really helped uh, help most of us uh, wash down that bologna. Um, it was a little saltier than expected, um, I think maybe because it sat open in the Metro Hollywood and Highland Station for the last couple of weeks. But uh, still, um, you know, no one got sick, which was a huge success in its own right. You know, um, a few stomach aches here and there, sure, but there was nothing out of, out of the ordinary from you know, normal baloney. Um, anyway, so we marched all the way to the LA Times building. Uh, the LA Times were, everyone, the whole staff was terrified. I mean, you could tell. Uh, the LA Times practically shut down the entire building in anticipation of our protest. Um, some people thought it was shut down because it was Sunday, but, you know, I don't really buy that. To me, that's like the most important day for a newspaper to come out. So, like, why would it be shut down that day? should be extra staffed, if anything. Um, so, you know, they were in there. I know they were in there. And they were just hiding, you know. Not one of the cowards. This is interesting. Not one of the cowards in the building dared to come down and face this angry and organized mob that was the Sunday Funnies protest. They hid behind their beautiful desks and their top flight offices with beautiful views. But we weren't having any of that. We weren't going to let them just hide and not address the clear, glaring problem that lies within their funny pages. So we actually infiltrated the Los Angeles Times building. We made our way inside the building, and we staged the world's first funny page sit-in in the Los Angeles Times building. And this is great. We have it all recorded on podcast, um, which was seized for evidence, so you, you can't we, we can't play it for you now because the L.A. Times uh, uh, protest podcast that we recorded is currently in possession of the, the Los Angeles Police Department, maybe FBI or CIA by now. I, I don't know. You know, it's all over my head. <clears throat> anyway, uh, we, we got inside the L.A. Times building and we sat down and we refused to leave. We absolutely refused to leave because the funny pages weren't funny enough. And um, we sat there uh, as long as we could, you know, until that part of the building that was open to the public was closed. And then we decided to, we better wrap it up and go home. <clears throat> so after our sit-in, which was a huge success, everyone's still buzzing about it, except for the LA Times. They're still shaking in their boots after what they saw. Um, so we, we, after we left the building, um, we were riding high, feeling great. After the change that we have, we believe we could incur, and, and we, we definitely, definitely, probably did. So after we left the building, uh, I decided uh, I, had, I had a couple sandwiches left, and um, I decided it would be funny if I, if I just tossed the sandwiches at the L.A. Times building, you know? Because I wanted something about the L.A. Times to finally be funny, you know? And I thought, what better way than some bologna sandwiches sitting on the side of the building out front that would that would get a laugh or two and 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 it did it worked you know fellow protesters and passerbys were just cracking up watching these bologna sandwiches slide down 
the building of the rag known as the Los Angeles Times. And um, <clears throat> we were all having a good laugh until um, my producer Brian Jr. and I uh, had a little run-in with the police. We ended up getting maced, stunned, and arrested. So that was uh, <clears throat> a huge bummer right there. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of why we've taken this long leave of absence. Um, if you've been wondering where, where we've been, um, Brian Jr. and I, we've been under a lock and key. Yeah, we've been in prison, actually. Not jail, but prison. There was no trial at all, which I thought was a little odd. They just threw us straight into a maximum security prison. So that seemed a little messed up. And it was even worse for Brian, for Brian Jr. It was even worse, you know. He was actually, uh, they put him straight into solitary confinement. You know, they, they had him in, in a straight jacket with a mask over his face. And he was like being wheeled around on a dolly. Um, I thought that was a little overkill, if you ask me. Um, I don't know what he did, but... But they, they, they put me in the gen pop. I was hanging out with the other inmates. And um, and it was okay for me over there, you know. Uh, I, I kept asking, you know, the guards, where's Brian? Where's Brian? And they wouldn't tell me anything. And and um, then I would say, hey, uh, when's Brian in my trial? Aren't we, aren't we having a trial? And uh, the guards kept telling me that um, animals like us don't deserve trials. And uh, then they'd beat me over the head with their billy clubs. So, um you know, needless to say, I was a little PO'd, but uh, got to be honest, not as PO'd as Brian, um, because um, not only was he locked up like Hannibal Lecter, but um, this is kind of crazy. They actually ended up giving him the electric chair. I found that a little inappropriate, considering um, that, you know, he didn't even do anything. I, I was the one that threw the bologna sandwiches at the L.A. Times building, you know. All he did was uh, drink a lukewarm glass of flat Dr. Shasta. That's the Shasta Cola's far superior version of Dr. Pepper. Um, that's, I mean, but that's all he did was drink that Dr. Shasta. I mean, I, I, I'm no lawyer, but uh, last I checked, drinking a lukewarm glass of flat Dr. Shasta while watching your friend and fellow podcaster throw bologna sandwiches at the LA Times building uh, isn't really an offense worthy of execution, but... Um, you know, I guess I'm not a lawyer, and I, I don't know the law like uh, these, this maximum security prison must have. So, uh, yeah, they did it. They strapped him down to a chair, and, and they, they zapped Brian Jr. pretty good, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, they made me watch, too. Uh, I don't know exactly why, but I guess that was his only next of kin. They, that was listed as next of kin was um, fellow podcaster. Cornell funny comics dude read so they made me watch him get uh, the electric chair and um, I was terrified I was crying but um, miraculously uh, it didn't kill him um, something about the electricity didn't really take to Brian Jr.'s body I, I don't know maybe he's got rubber in his veins or something but something about him is not very conducive to electricity and um you know, uh, he he didn't die. It did make his hair stand up. He did look a little goofy, that's for sure. Um, so we all had a good laugh after that. But um, he was totally fine. And, and I think the fact that they just couldn't zap him hard enough to kill him, they tried five or six times. Uh, 
it really spooked everyone in the prison, you know. Um, word just got around that that he had superpowers or something or that he could control electricity. And um, it turned, after a while, you know, the guards, the other prisoners, no one could look him in the face. No one wanted to look at him at all. So um, I was the only one that was willing to spend some time with, with, with poor Brian. He was feeling pretty lonely. And... Um, and no one, you know, was paying him any attention at all, which, to tell you the truth, turned out to be kind of a good thing because um, since no one was, was watching him or, or us in his cell at all, we were able to, um, we were able to start digging holes. We, we, we were able to just, like, start, start digging tunnels, and no one paid any attention to me or the electric devil, as they called him. Um, that was kind of his nickname around the prison. So, um so since no one paid attention to me or the electric devil, uh, we decided to just dig a series of underground tunnels. You know, first we just started to go into the, um, the, 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 the dining hall with the commissary and steal some food and stuff like that. And then we worked our way to the laundry. And then uh, eventually we um, made, it, uh, made it out. We made it all the way out of the prison. We decided to try and go back to our um, home base, you know, the Hollywood and Highland podcast studio, uh, a.k.a. the Hollywood and Highland metro station. But I don't know. I, we didn't have a map down there or a compass or anything, so uh, we made a few wrong turns somewhere. And um, So now we're in our brand-new podcast studio here in, live in Vernon. You know, we, we much like, um, uh, uh, you know, much like... Uh, What's that movie where they get out of prison? <laughs> you know, I, I haven't seen a movie in a while. Anyway, much like one of those prison films where they break out of prison and they dig a hole and then they come up out of the prison. Shawshank Redemption. There we go. Much like Shawshank Redemption, we, we, we dug out of the dirt and our hands came out. And we pulled ourselves out and, um, and we surfaced for air and we decided we needed to find a new place to sleep and some food and a change of clothes. Um, but first thing first is we needed to find a copy of this last Sunday's newspaper so uh, we could describe the funny pages panel by panel and also so we could see firsthand just how much funnier the funny pages truly are now that we have finished wowing America with our daring protest on the LA Times. They kept us in prison for a month or so but they can't keep us down and now we're back fresh from our underground tunnel in our live Vernon podcast studio to read the funny pages for you guys and just to see how much funnier they truly have gotten. So let's get into it. Uh, first up, uh, I want to read our, our ad. We have a single ad for this podcast. Someone did manage to send me Venmo me a dollar at at Cornese. Once again, you can Venmo me a dollar at Cornese and I will read anything you want, anything at all. And um, so we have one ad today, and this ad comes from Logan Leistakal. <clears throat> now on Amazon, check out Walton, a short film by Logan Leistakal, director of the Comedy Garage documentary, now exclusively on Amazon Prime. And also, be sure to listen to Logan's podcast pilot, Logan's Internet Show, with me as the guest. And finally, my name is Cornell, and I am... A silly goose. All right. Thank you for the ad, Logan. And now it is time, the time that you've all been waiting for, to shred 
some new and improved and funnier strips. All right, first up here we have Dilbert. Uh, Dilbert is written by Scott Adams, and it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wonderful panels that go from top to bottom, not left to right. Usually I start from the top left and work, work my way to the bottom right. And uh, there's usually two levels of comics, you know, certain a different number of panels on each side. But Dilbert, Scott Adams decides to do things a little differently, and he just goes straight up and down, top to bottom. So um, I'll try and describe it to you best as I can, but just imagine in your head that this isn't going vertically. No, this is going vertically, not horizontally. Um, and hopefully it'll help improve the overall uh, listening experience you have while listening to Dilbert. <coughs> okay, so first up, Dilbert is still not in a white shirt anymore. He just doesn't wear white shirts anymore. No more ties on Dilbert. He's got like a, a long sleeve polo type of thing. And that's what every character wears now. I don't know what happened with uh, Scott Adams and ties, but he seems to be anti-tie, anti-business suit. Now he's all about long sleeve pullovers, it, it appears, and lanyards. Anyway, Dilbert is up, and he seems to be leading a meeting of some sort, and his hand is outstretched. He's, he's pointing, kind of, um, not pointing with one finger, but with his hand. He's pointing at a, a, what appears to be a slide of um, a man who looks particularly stupid and is wearing a yellow shirt. God, I got a blank expression on his face, the man in the slide. And Dilbert says, as you know, every project in this company has one idiot on the team. And in the next pa panel, we have um, Alice and then some guy sitting in the middle. And then sitting on the other side is the pointy haired boss. And there's a single cup of coffee with one of those coffee sleeves on it uh, on the table. And uh, the man in the middle says, that can't be true. And the pointy haired boss says, it is true. In the next panel, you have a, um, you have the boss and just the, the weird man, and they're talking to each other. And uh, the boss says, I assign one idiot per team to keep them from bunching together. In the next panel, now the boss has his hand on the cup of coffee, directly on the sleeve, so you know his hand is staying nice and cool, even though his coffee's very hot, which is nice. The man in the middle says to the pointy-haired boss, my project team doesn't have any idiots. And in the next panel, it's just Dilbert, and he's looking at the man, I assume, and he says, there's a good explanation for why you think that. The panel after that, there's uh, <clears throat> the man, and it's showing him and Alice and the pointy-haired boss again. The man's got both hands in the air and goes, I don't see what that would be. And the pointy-haired boss now has coffee the coffee cup clutched in both hands right underneath his chin and uh, Alice kind of has an, an inquisitive look on her face as well and um, then in the seventh panel here we have what we've grown to know and love in the Dilbert panels and that is an exterior shot of the building <laughs> and there's a little voice bubble coming out of it and I assume this is the man in the middle he says if I had an idiot on my team I would know it and in the last panel, he's sitting in the middle of Alice and the pointy-haired boss. And they're both whistling. You can tell by the music notes appearing above their head and the circular uh, look of each of their lips. And the man in the middle says, 
Unless, and he's tapping himself on the cheek. And that's the end of the panel. Yes, he is the idiot. Um, that is I, the gist of that one, um, which is, you know, kind of an old joke you can hear at any comedy club around the country. Uh, hey, if you if you can't think of that fat friend or that friend everyone hates, then guess what? You are that fat friend. You know, there's hundreds and thousands of different variations of it. Um, but, you know, I will say that it is a little bit funnier um, than a normal Dilbert. So I think they did hear our protest loud and clear. And at least they're deciding to take well-known tropes from actual funny material that has worked for ages, eons and eons. And I think that is a positive move for Scott Adams and the Dilbert team. So congratulations uh, to us for seeing the difference pay off in the very first strip right off the bat. I think that's a great sign. Next up is Doonesbury by Gary Trudeau. And uh, Doonesbury has never failed to disappoint, so um, let's see if they uh, have also decided to uh, take note of the, of the protests heard around the world and made Doonesbury a little bit funnier for us, the readers and listeners. All right, we started off this one. There are the, the two guys sitting on the beach. One is like the blonde-haired, goateed guy that you see quite a bit in Doonesbury. Um, I forget his name. It's been a while since I've read these. I don't remember if we ever found out his name or not. <clears throat> anyway, he's sitting on the beach, and he's talking to some, some guy with a white hair, white ponytail, receding hairline, and sunglasses. Blonde-haired guy is wearing a Hawaiian shirt and shorts. The, the older gentleman is wearing a wetsuit. They're sitting next to two surfboards that are stuck up vertically in the sand, much like a Dilbert strip. And there's a woman walking... Uh, in the foreground um, closer to the ocean and she's holding a surfboard horizontally much like a Doonesbury or your conventional strip <laughs> anyway the old man's talking to the blonde haired man he goes your path sandpiper has it been good I seem to recall you work the earth now okay very confusing start um, then the next panel the Closer up shot of the blonde haired goateed man and the old man is now looking at him directly in the face. And the blonde haired sandpiper, I guess, as he's known to this guy, he's saying, that's right, master. My nephew and I have a sweet little grow in Colorado. Hmm, I think they're talking about marijuana. In the next panel, we got uh, the back of the old man's head and then the front of uh, the blonde haired guy's face. And the old man's ponytail up close does kind of look like where a balloon is tied and that's kind of funny um anyway the blonde hair guy he's got a seagull behind him now he says we have our own special blend called z and z bud and the next one we have you know this happens a lot in doonesbury too this is the the fourth out of the sixth panel they have a, a silhouette almost like all the light has been taken away from them and they're both two shadows communicating and the blonde hair guy says to the old man, it has some interesting characteristics. Like most cannabis, it somewhat, impair, it somewhat impairs short-term memory. In the fifth panel, we have the back of the blonde hair guy's head now. You know, they're just having a conversation. The, the panels, I'll continue to describe them, but keep in mind, they're not really important to this comic strip. Because <laughs> it's just two guys talking. So anyway, the blonde hair guy in the fifth panel, you see the back of his head and the front of the old man's head. And there's some other people in the boat in the ocean. 
And the blonde haired guy goes, But it also seems to soften noxious memories going back months. The old man says, Ah, offering welcome relief to our anxious countrymen. And the last panel of blonde haired guy says, To all of mankind, really. The old man said, In distant lands you sell? You've done well, water pup. Okay. Um, so, you know, not really any laughs there or any any feasible joke of any sense. Um, they are talking about marijuana, which is, you know, kind of a little bit more risque um, than you're used to out of Doonesbury. So at least I guess they're trying to toe that line of being um, uh, maybe, you know, a little daring on that sense. So maybe that could be something funny there and the fact that they're you know at least they're trying to um, be uh, you know a lot of comedy I think is made from towing the line and um, they are definitely finding a line to tow Um, now they just need to find some jokes along that line as well Um, but still I'm I'm still feeling encouraged and thank you Gary Trudeau for recognizing our podcast and attempting some something different and, and um, to break the mold of the old boring Doonesbury of yore so uh, alright up next we have um, Get Fuzzy by Darby Conley and um, you know this is one that I've skipped often in the past and you know I still feel like I'm going to skip some of, pod, some, some of these comics today because um, I just don't have the patience to read them all we, we are still starving from our long, perilous journey out of the prison and into this Vernon train yard, so um, we should make it fast. And some of these possums around here look pretty fierce, so um, I'm just going to read the ones that are fit to print and move on. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there are some funny ones I might miss this week, but, um, you know, don't worry. Um, you don't need to know about these ones. And if you really do, I'll... I'll do an addendum to this podcast and add in some of the funny strips I skipped once we're in a place that is a little safer to record in. Uh, all right, Get Fuzzy by Darby Conley. Um, this starts out with the guy, and he's talking to his dog. Kind of walking into a room. Seems like he's mid-walk, and the dog looks angry. Um, he looks like he's clutching his chest. I don't know if he's having a heart attack or what. Let's dig in and find out. Um, so the man walking behind the dog goes, you okay, Satch? And the dog goes, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. The next panel, he's got a thumb to his chest and he looks pretty angry. See the back of the man's head and the dog goes, I'm okay. And, and the man goes, I'm sensing someone else might not be. And now the dog in the next panel is putting the two fingers up on each hand a la Nixon. I guess, I don't know if dogs have fingers per se uh individual paws the paws the whole hand so the the claw part the finger what you know what i'm talking about the toes the front toes anyway i'll do some research on that too and next week i'll update you on what the fingers of a dog are actually called (laughs) so anyway the dog has got his his fingers up a la richard nixon he says well you'll have to ask this someone else about that won't you I was, I was minding my own business. The next panel, the man's looking down kind of weird at the dog. And the dog's still mad. And the man says, I sense a butt coming. And the dog says, it sure did. And 
all cats walk that way. <laughs> and the next panel. Oh, boy. This is a... We got, what, 10 panels in this one? Wow. Hard to hold it against him, I guess, says the dog in the next panel. And the man goes, huh? And the dog now is kind of waddling away. And he goes, ironically, though, he has no problem holding it against everybody else. And then he starts scratching his chin. He goes, is that right, ironically? In the next panel, he goes, no, annoyingly. He holds it against everybody annoyingly. And the man's going to look like, what? Now the dog's staring at the wall with his hands on his hips, which I've never seen a dog before. I don't think a dog can really do that, but that's okay. The man goes, but you're okay. And the dog goes, I'm perfect. And he looks crazy angry right now. And um, I don't understand anything that just happened to get fuzzy. None of that was funny, but maybe he um, is angry because he saw the protest and they he thought that he was, you know, putting out a, a, a quality product and now has been slapped with the reality since seeing my signs and, and the bologna sandwiches strewn across the LA Times building. He knows that he uh, has to face the facts that um, his strip has not been living up to the funnies page standard that we require. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Pearls Before Swine. Um, and I got to be honest, um, my head is already starting to hurt from the lack of comedy in the first three strips. I do feel a smidge of, of more of comedy. And maybe it's just the hunger pangs that comes from... It comes from um, the, the hours and days and weeks of hard labor we've put into digging um, this tunnel and so maybe I'm not in the, the right mind space to really be laughing at funny strips right now but nevertheless uh, I will persist <laughs> alright Pearls Before Swine by Stefan Pastis and we have a pig walking up and there's like a little stool there or a little table or something that's in the middle of this grassy field and uh, sheep standing next to the stool and the, the pig says, hey, Sammy Sheep, what are you up to? And Sammy Sheep says, bah, just putting on my act with this fly. Oh, I guess there's a fly on the table, too. And Sammy Sheep has something in his hand. And the next panel, the pig says, what kind of act? And the sheep says, bah, well, I play various songs on my harmonica, and the fly hums along. Oh, so the sheep has a harmonica in his hand. All right, the next panel, the pig goes, is it fun? And nothing in these pictures has changed at all. Um, the, the sheep has lifted his arm up in a couple, and that's about it. So anyway, the pig says, is it fun? And the sheep goes, bah, not really, but we make good cash. And the next panel, the fly actually says, he makes good cash. I get nothing. And then the sheep says, bah. You do what I tell you. And the next panel, the fly says, Scrooge. And the sheep goes, Bah! Hum, bug. <laughs> oh, Lord. And in the last panel, there's uh, the mouse talking to the artist, Stefan, which we see a lot in this uh, comic strip. And the mouse says, You are two Sunday mornings you are to Sunday mornings what Scrooge is to Christmas. And then the artist says, Ah, 
you flatter me. E W E. Uh, referring to the sheep that is, he drew this joke about, I assume, because he's talking to a mouse and there's not a U at all. But he's also got a pencil in his hand. He's mid sketch and. Bah humbug. Oh, great. It's nice to be able to figure out what the joke is, at least, in the strip. So thank you for that, Pearls Before Swine. And, you know, um, I would say probably in all of the strips we've read, you have kept up with the highest average of laughs per panel ratio. So I want to thank you, Stefan Pastis. You um, have continued your good work. And uh, even though it might not be uproarious, it still has some sort of feasible joke in it, which I truly, truly appreciate. Next up, La Cucaracha is still a La Cuca bye-bye, if you ask me. Um, you know, it's it might have improved, um, but I just don't have the patience to find out right now. So we'll go straight ahead to Leo. And Leo... Um, in this panel, it's a single panel today. He is just stuck in a spider web. <laughs> He's completely stuck and he doesn't look too pleased about it. And I, you can see why, um, because next to him is a sh is the spider whose um, spider web it is, you know. And uh, the spider is holding a giant book that says "Kid Menu" on it. And this menu is uh, has various ways to prepare a Leo, the kid, for eating, I assume. Um, but I don't know why it's a menu. There doesn't seem to be a waiter or a chef or a real restaurant atmosphere. It seems to be just this one spider's web. So maybe kid cookbook would have been more appropriate. But um, either way, uh, Leo has definitely turned up the heat on the old funny cooker and... Um, is is making something you know if you don't think about it too hard and think about all the plot holes involved in this strip it is good for a chuckle so um i appreciate you leo and um and thank you for appreciating the hard work we put into our protest all right um next up we have mutts and mutt starts out with a cat on a windowsill and uh then uh Another cat, the one we're used to seeing, is walking by. And uh, the cat in the window seal says, Hello, Mooch. And uh, the cat walking outside next to him, Mooch, which is the cat that's always there. Mooch is his name. He walks by and goes, Hello, Fluffy. And in the next panel, Mooch uh, goes, Joe! He's sneezing, obviously. His tail's uh, erect. And his mouth is wide open, and it looks, looks like there's spit and stuff flying everywhere. And the next panel um, is Mooch looking up at three alley cats standing on a fence, Garfield style. And they're standing, except they're standing upright. Yeah, I guess Garfield style. And Mooch goes, ready, fellas? And the, the alley cats go, we was waiting for you. And now Mooch is up on the fence with them. And the three cats are going, meow, meow, meow. And... Mooch going, choo, choo. He's sneezing again. Three cats are singing. Mooch is sneezing. Poor Mooch. The next one, he's walking all sad in the grass. And he's going, oh, no. Sniff, sniff. And the last panel, he's lying in bed. And he goes, I think I sh might be allergic to cats. 
<laughs> oh no, Mooch. You are a cat. And you're allergic to cats. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Thank you, Patrick McDonald, for that beautiful mutts. Uh, next up is Blondie. Um, and Blondie by Dean Young and John Marshall. Um, there's still two riders. They haven't decided to bring in a third yet, which I think maybe they should. Um, but uh, anyway, let's start off this one. We got the mailman. Uh, and he's delivering mail to Blondie, to Dagwood, to... Dagwood Bumstead. Yeah, that's his name. So they're delivering mail to Dagwood. And um, the mailman says, you have to sign this. And I need two forms of identification as he's handing an envelope to Dagwood. And the dog is by Dagwood, too. And Dagwood says, knock it off. You know who I am. And in the next panel, the mailman says, how do I know you're not part of a witness protection program? And Dagwood's now pointing an accusing finger at the mailman saying, are you crazy? And Dog's looking up at Dagwood like, oh boy, he's mad. And then next panel, Dagwood's storming into his house going, unbelievable. And the mailman's looking at us like, uh-oh, I think I made him mad. <laughs> and the next panel, um, Dagwood walks back. He's at back outside now, and he's holding a card. He's holding two cards. He goes, here's my driver's license and a credit card. Does that make you happy? And the mailman goes, Okay, I guess that'll do. And then the next panel, you see a door slamming shut. It says slam out front, and the dog's back inside. The mailman's walking away, and he goes, This job would bore me to tears if it weren't for that guy. And the last panel, Blondie's talking to Dagwood, and she goes, Dear, why do you let him get to you every time he pulls that stupid little joke of his? And Dagwood's sitting on the chair with his hands in his, with his head in his hands, and he goes, I don't know. It just bugs me. Um, so, all right. That was pretty good. I appreciate bringing the mailman into the mix. Someone to antagonize Dagwood is sure to bring some more humor in there. Um, so the mailman, thank you for that, Dagwood. Um, all right. Let's just um, let's get into let's get into zits. Yeah, let's get into zits real quick. Okay, so zits is walking with his one friend. Um, Jeremy is its name. Jeremy Zitz, I guess. It's by Jerry, Jerry Scott and Jim Borgman. And um, he looks like his phone is vibrating. And he's walking with his friend who's got the mohawk and the nose ring and the earrings and stuff. A pretty wild, far out dude. He's sipping a soda. And um, and uh, there's just a bzz, 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 bzz coming out of Jeremy's pocket. The next panel, there's still the biz, biz, biz coming out of his pocket. And his friend goes, somebody is texting you pretty hard, Jeremy. Jeremy goes, it's probably Sarah. And the next panel, Jeremy's friend goes, shouldn't you check? And Jeremy now has pulled his uh, phone from his pocket. It's weird. His friend said, shouldn't you check while the straw is currently in his mouth and he's sipping on his soda. So I don't know how he did that. Maybe he's a ventriloquist of some sort. Anyway, um, Jeremy's holding his phone, and he goes, yeah, but I'm kind of afraid to look. And then his friend snatches the phone from him in the next panel and says, afraid of what? And um, the next panel it is you see the screen of what you assume is a phone and the top of his friend's head. And it said, Jeremy, please respond. And there's a bunch of angry emo emojis it kind of looks like, and they're punching Jeremy's friend in the head. He's whap, 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 whap. The emojis are actually assaulting his friend. 
And the last one, um, his friend's got like stars and little swirls around his head because he's been beat up and he's holding his head. And Jeremy goes, yeah, she can be pretty emoji aggressive. Okay, thank you for that. Um, Zitz, uh, must not have gotten the memo about the protest, but that's okay. Uh, we'll still... We'll still keep going, reading you as if you were going to be funny at some point. And uh, maybe you'll pick it up once you realize all these other strips have really upped their game. Um, you know, it looks like they're resisting us a little bit. So anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, we're going to skip Baby Blues. I just don't feel like it today. And Prickly City um, is going to be a prickly bleep. Prickly Leapy, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, sorry to get crude to you guys. Um, I hope uh, your children are listening. Uh, I hope your parents cover your ears for that one. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit irritable um, after being in prison. I did learn a few bad words that uh, <laughs> I, I do have, have unfortunately worked their way into my vernacular. Um, anyway, let's move on to Marmaduke. Uh, Marmaduke's always great by pa Brad and Paul Anderson. Um, Marmaduke and his owner are watching some kids play soccer. There's a ball that shoots in, and a kid hits it with his head. In the next panel, Marmaduke goes chasing after that ball. In the next panel, he hits the ball off his nose. And in the next panel, now he's dribbling with his face. In the next panel, he's got a ball up on his nose. He kicks it in the air in the next panel. Well, kicks it. He lifts it up with his nose into the air. And then he heads it really hard. And on uh, the last panel, you see the ball go shooting into his doghouse. And you just hear someone yell, game over, from the back. <laughs> oh, Marmaduke, you are quite the soccer player. <laughs> All right, let's go to our doggone funny over here. Um, Jan and Jack Greenberg had precious, a, had precious a Yorkie. He always slept with him until they had him fixed so he wouldn't father any puppies. He became angry and refused to sleep with them. He slept off. The, he slept on the sofa for a week. So there. <laughs> oh man, the doggone funny is indeed doggone funny. All right, next up we're gonna do Drabble today. That's how. That's how uh, confident I'm feeling in these strips becoming funnier. We're gonna give Drabble a whirl. Um, Drabble is by Fagan. F-A-G-A-N, Fagan. We'll bleep the name just in case. Um, anyway, um, Drabble is sitting on his chair, and he's reading a newspaper, and uh, his dog comes up to him. He's in his house. The dog goes, Rolf, Rolf, Rolf. And so Drabble goes, what's your problem? The next panel, the dog's kind of looking behind him going like, Rolf, 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 Rolf. And, and Drabble goes, are you trying to tell me something? Now you got an exterior shot of the house in the third panel, much like Dilbert, maybe an homage to it. I'm not sure. And uh, you got more, Ralph, 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 Ralph. And Drabble goes, do you want me to follow you? In the next panel, we got a close-up of Drabble's face. And he goes, that's how Lassie and Rin Tin Tin always alerted their masters when something was wrong. Now the dog's at the door going, Ralph, 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 Ralph. And Drabble goes, okay, okay, what is it? He's up from his chair now, standing behind the dog. The next panel, he's opened the door. He's looking outside. He goes, I don't see anything. And the dog is running behind him. 
now Drabble's turned around to look at his dog and goes, what in the world do you want? In the last panel, the dog is sleeping in the chair Drabble was sitting in. And Drabble's looking annoyed like, oh, can you believe this dog? <laughs> oh, man. They see, I think that's what they figured out um, in response to our protest is they're going to let the dog carry the comedy in this one. Because this dog clearly has comedy chops. And maybe Drabble was trying to do a little too much on the, on the early, earlier in the strip. He's clearly the straight man. All right. Um, now we're on to our last and final page. So uh, let's get into it. Let's go straight to uh, Foxtrot. Um, Foxtrot is six panels here. And uh, we got the boy here. He's sitting and, and his, his sister's next to him at a table, I think. And his sister's reading the newspaper. And the boy goes, please, can I go? Please, can I go? Please, can I go? And his sister goes, Jason, knock it off. You sound like a broken record. His name is Jason. All right. And then uh, Jason, it's a close-up of Jason, the next one, he goes, a what? And his sister goes, a broken record. In the next panel, it's the same shot of the first panel, them sitting at a table. And Jason goes, I don't know what that is. She goes, like a tape with its ends spliced together. And the next panel, Jason goes, a what? It's a close-up, like the second panel. And she goes, like a CD track on repeat. In the next panel like the first and the third. <laughs> and Jason goes, a what? And she goes, you know what, never mind. And the last panel, he goes, oh wait, do you mean like a wave file with a decoder's loop flag set to true? And she goes, a what? <laughs> All right, and I'm sure if you're listening to a podcast out here, out there, then uh, you get that one. Uh, you know a lot about wave files and uh, if you need to Google CDs and tapes and records, then um, do that, and I'm sure that one will, will make you you laugh a little bit harder. But um, well done, Foxtrot. Um, you really did it for us today. Um, jump start. Uh, we're just going to skip that one. Um, I still don't have faith in you, nor do I have faith in you, non-sequitur. More like non-f-worder. <laughs> Um, again, I apologize for that. I hope your children didn't hear that. Um, so we're just going to get down to, uh, the, we're going to do two. We're going to skip Candorville and Fraz. Fraz is, um, the, uh, only F word I like hearing less than the other F word. Um, uh, when you say F word, I assume you're meaning you're, you're referring to Fraz. And again, I got to stop saying the F word, um. So I apologize for, for that one last time, and I promise it'll never happen again on this podcast. Um, I like to skip most words that start with F just because I see I find them to come a little too close to that one word that I shall not mention again. So let's go to In the Bleachers, everyone. This is In the Bleachers by Steve Moore, and this is a three-panel strip. And it starts out with a dog standing on a field next to a telephone. And there's a little voice bubble coming from off the telephone that just says, Ball four! And now you have the dog running running in the next panel. There's no words. And in the last panel, he's up to what looks like a pitcher's mound. And there's another dog there holding a ball with a cone around his neck. And uh, the dog with the hat on says to the dog on the pitcher's mound, I'm benching you until the cone comes off. <laughs> 
can't pitch with a cone on your head. Well done, Steve Moore. Um, well done. And last up, we have Bizarro um, by Dan Peraro. Bizarro is one of my favorites, as always. And um, Bizarro is one panel, and it's uh, Mr. Potato Head. And he's holding one of his arms that he has taken off of his body. As you know, Mr. Potato Head is, uh, you know, can do. And he's uh, handing his arm. He, he's in a tattoo parlor. And he's handing his arm to a man who's all tattooed up. I assume the tattoo artist uh, behind a desk. And he's handing him the arm. And he says, can I just leave it and come back in a few hours? <laughs> he's going to get a tattoo on his arm. But he has the luxury of being able to take his arm completely off and leave and come back. Isn't that nice? I'm sure a lot of you guys would get more tattoos if you were able to do that as well. <laughs> all right, well, those are all the pages fit to print um, today. So um, thank you for listening to the Sunday Funnies on Thursdays, the podcast, now on Fridays. I've been your host, local funny man and funny reader, Cornell Funny Comics Dude Reed. And... Um, you know, I hope we find a more uh, stable uh, location to podcast from in the future. And I hope we also continue to stay out of prison or jail or away from the authorities. And hopefully soon we'll be able to unearth the po protest podcast we recorded live at the protest. Um, we'll have to find a way to get into an evidence locker or two. And... Um, you know, from me and the electric devil myself, uh, himself, I would just want to say uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Good night. <laughs>